please turn for me this evening to 1st John chapter 4 and verse 9. 1st John chapter 4 verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Now friends, my message this evening is the tangible love of God. The tangible love of God, how we can know truly uh, God's love. And it's going to be a very uh, simple message for us. But what can be simple, really, in talking about the love of God? How can we express, really, in words? I can say right at the beginning, words are going to fail me already. I know I'm on a, on a task I cannot really do justice to. To talk about the love of God, oh, friends, it's such a tremendous topic. Such a wonderful topic. If only we could feel it, especially if you've never felt it before in your life. If only this evening you could begin to feel and to know truly that God is love. That Christ is love. That Christ came in love, came to this earth in love for us. Or oh, if only you could begin today to know you'd find something so wonderful. You'd want to find something that will give you so much pleasure and joy in life. Something that you would be musing upon on your own. Something that you will give you a thought when you're on the tubes or on the buses on your way to work. And sometimes you may be so carried away with this love of God for me, for a sinner, for a worm. Oh friends, there's nothing like it in this world. Love. Well, everyone likes to talk about love or thinks about love. And that's what we're doing uh, tonight, thinking about love maybe in general for a while, but God's love really in particular. Everyone thinks about love in some shape or form, but not everyone thinks about God's love. Everyone wants to be loved, but not everyone receives God's love even though it's offered to all and sundry. Anyone can be a recipient of it. In fact, everyone is a recipient of it, as we'll see. It has touched every person. We owe our love to God. But uh, many don't know it in a deeper way uh, and come to realize it personally uh, for themselves. Many people use the phrase, God is love but they use it only as a mantra, as a mantra for uh, doing whatever they like, as a mantra to live an immoral life. They say, well, God is love. That's my passport to, be, to doing whatever I want to do, to leg legitimize my immoral lifestyle, to legitimize my selfish lifestyle, my self-indulgent lifestyle. God is love. I can live as I like, and at the end of the day, God is going to love, so he will just accept me and forgive me. But that would be a wrong use of that phrase, God is love. But love is a wonderful thing. We have to say, isn't it? Love is a universal thing. All of us have a capacity to love. All of us have a desire to be loved. Everyone wishes that there was more love in the world. Everyone wishes that the love may indeed did make this world go around. Or as a songwriter said, 
songwriter, incidentally, who passed away only this week. He said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Love, not just for some, but for everyone. Those were his words. Well, it's a nice sentiment, isn't it? It's a hopeful wish for our fallen world. But is it attainable? Is it possible for us to love everyone? To love, for love to increase? Is it possible for me to increase in love for other people? Naturally speaking, friends, no. Naturally speaking, we cannot love everyone. Naturally speaking, it doesn't take place. Even though we're so advanced, um, this kind of love for everyone is out of man's reach. It's beyond him. He's advanced uh, in a, a modern world. He's come up with all these inventions, all these things to make our lives better, to improve our lives. He's able to go to space. He's able to draw near to Mars. But he can't increase in love. Naturally speaking, he can do nothing to himself to improve in this way. He's still deficient in love. Not only that, he has to contend with feelings of hatred. Hatred still exists in this world. Viciousness, malicious hatred for his fellow man. Love hasn't extinguished the hatred there. Oh, friends, we don't need, we, if we, you can see this especially if you go to Ukraine. Just one example of many of a wars happening in this world. Love, man, wishes he could love everyone, but there is war which speaks of hatred. You don't need to go to Ukraine. You can go to Surrey. And you know what's happened in Surrey only recently, this past week, where a young girl was... Uh, was uh, uh, attacked by a group of other young girls and other young people in broad daylight and her hair pulled out. Well, that was a vicious attack, a hate, a hate attack on a young girl. That's in London. Sorry. Love, friends, how lacking, how deficient we are. And we could multiply story after story of that. The only way a person really can improve in love and increase in love is really by first knowing God's love. It's only when we come to know God's love and we respond to it, then He changes us. Then He gives us the capacity to love other people, to love even everyone to some degree. It's only when we realize God's love and we are converted, and we are born again of the Spirit of God, and He gives us a new heart, and He gives us a new spirit within Him. It's only then that I can extend my love to others, to the un undeserving people, just as love has been extended to me. Only then can I become a more loving person. Oh, friends, tonight I just want to take a phrase from here, from verse 7, and then another phrase from verse 8 before we come to our text in verse uh, 9. So firstly, verse 7, and our phrase in verse 7 is, love is of God. Love is of God. 
Love has its origins in God. Love begins with God, the source of love, all kinds of true love, real love, sincere love, honest love. The source of that love is God. It comes from Him. The ability to love is from God. The ability to, do, to express love in some measure or form is a God-given love. God is the one who has implanted love in our very nature. It's not something that has evolved over millions of years as we're told by the evolutionists, that we become loving people over time. No, the very first man and woman had love implanted in them, into their nature by God. When God created Adam and Eve, He gave them, He shared with them some of His attributes. He shared with them His mercifulness. He shared with them kindness. He shared with them a reasoning ability. That sense of justice which is in God, He also shares with us, which is why we have a real concern for justice. It's why we are kind, because God has put that some measure of His kindness into our hearts and into our lives. We are forgiving people. We're quite ready sometimes to forgive people who have hurt us because God is a pardoning God and He shared that, that attribute of His in a small measure with us. And love, love which defines God, He has shared also with us that attribute. Love hasn't evolved, friends. It's God-given. And let's look at some of the different ways even in which love is seen in our world and how it's owed really to God. Conjugal love, the love between a husband and a wife, the union of one man and one woman together, two becoming a one, two hearts knit together in love. Two, two people who begin to think about each other, who begin to help each other, who begin to make sacrifices for each other, who begin to uh, care for one another in a deep way, and a concerned way. Oh, how secure a wife feels to know that her husband loves her. What security that gives to her life. How happy her husband is to know that his wife love, loves him. And how happy he is when he is down. It's his wife's love that cheers him and lifts him up again. It's a blessing from God. But who instituted this union? Who brought about the first marriage? Whose, whose decision is it? Whose idea is this? It's God's. God said at the beginning of Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. It's his then there's parental love. Deep affections that lie in the hearts of parents for their children. Oh, human parents, friends, well, uh, we are not like tortoises. You know, tortoises, they just abandon their, ch their children, their, their baby tortoises, whatever they're called, as soon as they're born. They've abandoned them, but we are not like that. We, st we stick with them. There's a deep attachment all through life. Uh, uh, for our children and uh, we, we care for them we protect them we, we're willing to uh, go the second mile the third mile the fourth mile for our children that's love that's the love love is of God God has put this into our hearts for our children 
And then there's filial love, that opposite way, the, the returning of love of, par- of children to their parents. Or think of a home. How dreadful a home would be if the, if the children didn't love their parents. If there was no love in the home there, there's no respect for the parents. There's no uh, consideration of, of mom and dad. A home in such a, pl- in such a case would be like a detention center or a prison. Who would want to go to a home like that? But a home where love exists, where filial love exists, what a cheerful place it is. What a happy place it is when such love exists. Friendship love, oh, uh, how miserable this world would be if we had to trudge through life all on our own and had no friends. Friendless person. Sadly, there are some who are like that or feel like that. But to have friends, friends who like us, (laughs) friends who want to be with us, friends who want to talk to us, friends who phone us, friends who email us, who text us, friends who ask us how, how we are. Oh, these things we take for granted. This is love, friends. Where does it come from, this sort of care? Well, we must trace it up to, to God. It comes from Him. And then there's phil- philanthropic, philanthropic love. That love of compassion. That feeling for those who are outside of our circle. Those who are less well-off than ourselves. Those like we see on our TV screens at the moment who are suffering uh, in the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, oh, we feel for them. And when those appeals are made for financial aid and help and medical aid and supplies, well, aid goes their way. We, we want to give something ourselves, isn't it? We want to donate something. And those appeals, people who make those appeals, they know they can make the appeals because they expect, in a sense, a response of love, a response of compassion from people. Imagine if the world had no philanthropic love. Everyone just kept everything to themselves. What a selfish world, even more selfish world it would be. So friends, love generally speaking is of God. What an unlivable place this would be. Have you ever thought about it? If there was no love at all of these kinds and others uh, in the world, what a horrible, dreadful, miserable place it would be. It's dark enough already. It could have happened. It could have been like that. Adam's sin was so great that God at that time, when He rebelled and He ate of that fruit and He disobeyed the Lord, God could have withdrawn love from, from Him. God could have said, I'm withdrawing that attribute uh, of love from you. Now you must live in the world as a punishment without love. But he didn't do that. Oh, I love, he allowed love in some measure still to continue in this world. Life would be unbearable if there wasn't this love. We must be thankful, we must see that that is God's doing. That's God's mercy. Yes, it's corrupted, but it's still there. But then secondly, verse 8, our second phrase, God is love. God is love. This is one of God's attributes. Love. Not His only one. Some people mistake it and think it's His only one. 
They only talk about this, but God is also has other attributes. God is holy, God is just, God is merciful, God is faithful, God is true. But here we're thinking about God is love. And God is love, friends, it tells us that the very essence of God is love. At the very heart of God is, uh, is love. It's his nature uh, to love. Here in God, this, uh, he, love is not something that's created in him. It's not something that's come from the outside into him. It's implanted in him. It's the, the very heart of him. It's unborrowed. It's something that he has, we could say, naturally. God is love. God is perfect in love. And he cannot stop loving. It would be against his nature to stop loving. And if, humanly speaking, we could look into his heart, we would feel, we'd see that the feeling there in God's heart, the feeling of love prevails. Do you think, friends, perhaps there are some here who th think maybe God is an austere God? He's a harsh man. He's a severe God. He's only a God of judgment. He's an angry God. He's a, an, a God who treats people unfairly. He's someone to be feared and to be cowered under his frown. Maybe, us, maybe you think like that. He's not like that, friends. These words tell us God is love. But you may say, well, how do I know God is love? How do I know? Is there any tangible proof that you can show to me and demonstrate to me that God is truly love? I can look at all those other human ways, those human relationships that you measured and I can uh, mention, and I can see, yes, there is love. I can see it before my eyes, but I see nothing like that of, in, from God's side. Do you have anything from God's side that we can, you can show? Where is God's love? If I could see Him... Maybe if I could just see Him at least, then I could believe it. If I could just look at God and look at His face, I could maybe detect in His face a look of kindness, a look of love. I could see maybe in His eyes uh, some twinkle, some eye, some look that was for me. I could see a smile in His face. If I could just see God, maybe then I would believe His love. But I can't see God. I can't see God. I've never seen God. No man has seen God. And you're right. No man has seen God. We read that here in verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. But does that mean God, we don't know about God's love? Of course not. God has made manifest His love. He has demonstrated His love. He has made it, his love known not by appearing and showing himself, but by doing things for us. By putting things into place. And as we'll see here, by sending his son. He has demonstrated his love in action. So that you can look at those actions, those facts of life that he has done, and say, truly, here is proof, here is evidence. God has done this. He must be a God of love. If a young man falls in love with a young lady and he's too shy to tell her how he feels, his affection for her, 
Well, she'll know nothing about it if he keeps quiet, if he goes on in such a way. But if he takes some kind of an action, if he invites her out for dinner, or he writes a poem and posts it through her letterbox, or he sends her a bunch of flowers, red roses or carnations, whatever it is, she'll get an idea. She'll get to know there's something up here. This guy's interested in me. Actions. And that's what God has done, friends. God has demonstrated his love for us in action. Here in verse 9, we'll come to that. In, now, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Let's break it up just a little bit very quickly. In this was manifested, demonstrated the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten Son. He sent his Son into the world. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send his right-hand angel. He didn't send Gabriel into the world. He sent his Son, his dearly beloved Son, Christ, friends, uh, came from heaven. Christ entered, the Son of God entered into our world. The Son of God took to himself our humanity in all points except for sin. The Son of God walked on the same earth that we walked. The Son of God had to sleep just like we sleep. The Son of God had to eat and to drink just like you and I have to eat and to drink. This is what he did. The Son of God, God sent His dearly beloved Son who had been with Him from eternity into this world, into this time, time zone that He had never been in. He's been from the eternal God outside of time and He enters into our space, our time. I was talking to a Muslim man yesterday, trying to talk to him, I should say trying to have a conversation with him and uh, he was shouting rather at me. I was trying to have a reasonable conversation with him but he, he ended up just shouting out what he believed and what he thought and he was there, he was donned with his red and white uh, scarf which identified him as a Muslim but uh, he could not, this was what he was going on about, he kept repeating four or five times, how can the Creator God, how can uh, He become a human, how can He take on human flesh? And he used more crude language than that actually. But he couldn't fathom it, couldn't grasp it, and I, I tried in the few moments I had when I, to get a word in, I tried to say, well that's the one amazing thing about it. That God, the Son of God, will come into our world and take to Himself such a, a humanity, a, such a body. That's His love. I couldn't really make much progress with Him. But it is a wonder, friends. This is uh, a demonstration that the Son of God came and a, a, a proof of God's love. But he, God sent His Son into this world, into enemy territory. He sent him into foreign soil, into a place where he would not be loved. Did the world welcome Jesus, the Son of God, when he came? 
Did it roll out the red carpet and say, welcome our Creator, welcome our King, come? Not at all. Not at all. Nothing. It rejected Him. This world laughed at Him. It ridiculed Him. It called Him all sorts of names. It called Him an insurrectionist. It called Him a troublemaker. It called Him a disturber of the peace. It called Him a criminal. It treated Him like a criminal in the end. It hounded Him. At times sought to uh, kill Him. Despised Him as an uneducated man. You can't teach us anything. Oh, friends, God knew that when He was sending His Son, He was sending Him in such a, into such a volatile environment where He would receive this kind of a treatment, and yet He still sent Him. Isn't that love? We wouldn't send our children into a foreign country knowing that they are going to be bullied and they have their hair pulled out and going to be spat upon and going to be called all sorts of names and going to be sidelined. We would never we would say to our children, don't go to that country, go to somewhere else where you'll be happy and everything will go well for you. But God sent His Son into such a world as tangible proof, friends, of God's love so that we may live through Him for us. He did it for us. He did it for us. Verse 10, let me move there. That, those words, He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That points us uh, to the cross. Jesus came to make, uh, uh, to pay, take the punishment of our sins. That word propitiation, it's a big word. It's a, a word that points to the anger of God, the wrath of God, that God is angry with sin. And uh, Christ, when He went to the cross, He was taking that anger upon Himself. He was making a sacrifice of Himself to appease an angry God, the angry God. The anger that was due to me for my sin was redirected to Him, to the Son of God, there dying on the cross. And He felt the intensity of that anger in Himself. The punishment that was due to me for my sin was redirected to the Son of God dying on the cross. And He felt the pain the intense pain of that punishment and that separation that it caused between him and his father. The hell that I should have suffered for my sin was again redirected to the Son of God and he felt the horror of that time, the horror of hell on the cross. He didn't deserve it. Love, friends, the love of Christ the love of Christ, the Son of God, for me, for a sinner, for all those who believe in Him. This is love. This is the high point. Oh, friends, you want to know what is the best demonstration of, of love, of God's love? The cross. The cross on which Christ died is the pinnacle of God's love. It's the high point of God's love. It's the clearest proof that we have that God is love. 
God's love, friends, is so unlike us. Our love, we love people who love us. We don't love people who don't love us. But God's love is different. God's love is uh, for those who do not love, love him. He takes the initiative. Verse 10, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He loved us first. He did this for us. The cross didn't make God love us. God loved us first, and that's why Jesus Christ came from heaven, and that's why he gave his life on the cross. Oh, friends, oh, oh that we could look to the cross and let our hearts be melted by the love that is displayed there. It's so unmis- unmistakable. It's so clear that it demands also a response from me. God's love is not there just for me to admire, but God's love is made manifest so that I would respond uh, to it. I've told you briefly in broken words of God's love and of the love of Jesus Christ. Will you love him in return? Will you give him your heart? Will you respond to his overtures of love? Will you respond to his loving call? Will you respond to his sacrifice that he has made and say, yes, Lord, I will, re- I will love you too? Will you respond to him who says, I've done all this, I've laid down my life to reconcile sinners uh, to, to God? Will you respond uh, to that, friends? Well, such a response begins with believing. Believing. You come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I believe in your love. That's a place to start. I believe in your love. Lord, I believe in Christ. I believe in the cross. I believe in your love for me. And then you add to that repentance from your sins and a yielding of your life uh, to the Lord. That's the way to begin your uh, Christian life, friends. That's the way to begin a relationship with this God of love. And that's what He calls us to, and it will be just the beginning. When you come to realize and know the love of Christ, oh, there, you could look through that hymn book, and there are, uh, there are so many hymns that speak of this love in such a, a way, and the, those who follow Christ, why do we follow Him? It's because we love Him. And we're just responding to Him who has first loved us. But as you go on with Him, our friends, you'll get to know the love more of God more and more. He will prove Himself in answers to prayer, in blessing you, in guiding you, in helping you in life in so many ways. But you'll always be coming back here. You'll always be coming back to the cross because that is the highest point of God's love. Nothing can be more, nothing can outdo that. The love of Jesus Christ in laying down his life for guilty, undeserving sinners like ourselves. Come to him, friends. Why would you turn away? Why would you reject love? Who reject, who in their right mind will reject love? Come to him and receive and believe 
in him. Let's pray together. Oh, Father in heaven, we bless thee that thou hast made manifest so plainly and clearly for us to see, and we are sure of it. O oh Lord, that thou art love. We thank thee for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came from heaven and again uh, subjected himself to all those awful things out of love for us, that we may live. O oh, grant us life again. Grant us faith in thee. Grant us that belief of thee and come and melt our hearts and turn us again to thee. O oh, Lord, bless us, we pray, each one in this place. We pray in our Saviour's name. Amen. And let's close by singing our final hymn, number 415, Thou Great Mysterious God, 415.